Hey, everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, we are talking about addictions that can ruin your relationships, especially the ones on the Internet. Internet. Tips uh, to help you with those. And the people that have problems, we're going to give them tools as well right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The death toll in the U.S. caused by Hurricane Sandy is now over 35 as rescue crews continue to work as hard as they can to help those still in need. Most of the deaths are attributed to falling trees in New York City and around New Jersey. The two highly populated areas are both struggling to find ways to get flooded public transit back online. The powerful winds have caused over 8.2 million people to lose power throughout the region. Sandy is now pushing farther inland through Pennsylvania and into the Great Lakes region, which could bring even more flooding and damage, despite the storm's winds slowing down to 45 miles per hour. New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg is saying Sandy may be the worst storm New York has ever weathered and is warning that the death toll is likely to rise. So far, 10 people have been confirmed dead in the city as rescue crews continue their efforts. Bloomberg has made made the main priorities getting the subway system back online and restoring power to the 750,000 New Yorkers who are in the dark. Authorities say it will likely take at least three to four days before subway tunnels can be drained and cleared, with the subway chief calling it the system's worst disaster ever. Con Ed, a New York utility company, is saying that the city as a whole has suffered unprecedented damage. New York was hit hard, but New Jersey seems to have taken the worst of it, with Governor Chris Christie calling the devastation unthinkable. He has also made sure the public knows that it is completely unsafe for anyone to, re- to return to their evacuated homes immediately. Along the coast, the historic Seaside Heights boardwalk mostly collapsed into the sea, taking an entire roller coaster with it. The prominent Republican governor has even said he no longer cares about the election because he, quote, has bigger fish to fry, though he did praise the Obama administration for guaranteeing him an expedited process with FEMA for aid. As large as the Disney Corporation is, they have always been willing to expand further, and this time it's to a galaxy far, far away. Lucasfilm, including the entire Star Wars franchise, has now been acquired by Disney to the tune of well over $4 billion. Not only have they bought the franchise, but Disney has already announced a new trilogy. Star Wars 7 is now set for release in 2015, with 8 and 9 expected to follow a few years after that. George Lucas, the original creator of the iconic film series, says that he is excited to see Star Wars once again pass to another generation. He also commented on the announcement, saying he is glad he was able to pass the franchise down to younger filmmakers and keep the story going. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can on this show to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives. And uh, I don't know how we're going to help you on the East Coast, because that was crazy time. You're still battling it, I know. Uh, again, yesterday, we just kind of left you with our prayers. That's all we could do. And last night, I think we all went home and just watched you battle through 
your uh, tremendous, you know, trial there. So today I just wanted to get our gang together here. Uh, I know some of you couldn't even sleep last night because you're so into watching news. Who would that I be? I was only up till I think two. But two watching just the news. Well, you know, whether it's story channel, after story. Yeah, and, and a lot of it was stuff that had kind of repeated over the night too. But you go to uh, Twitter and you put in Pound Sandy and people posting all kinds of photos and videos and uh, just a lot of it's so so surreal to see. Yeah. What was it? Fourteen feet of water in Battery Park. Yeah. Um, a, a radio station that's on twenty four hours a day. Their their equipment, like all radio stations, on. Uh, guy walking around the radio station going, "Wow, this is." Do you guys ever remember this uh, ever being dark in here? Because they have emergency generators, but there was so much water in the basement. Did you see those pictures of New York City with the lights out? I mean, seriously, what's more ominous than New York City with all the lights out and the the rats running (laughs) up the island? Something that was really crazy is like when you watch the reporters, for some reason last night, there was one who was like on the edge of, you know, the sea. And, like, as he was talking, like, this huge, massive wave just came up behind him and just, like, woo, got yeah. on him. He almost, like, fell to the ground. It was just so big. And it was like, dude, get away. The like, Kraken. <laughs> the Kraken. Like, it's not going to be good for you. Oh, it was crazy. And just uh, watching it. And it was interesting to watch it with my family. Because last time we had an event like this that our family just gathered around on was um, the tsunami. Did you guys watch that? Yeah. And I mean that this was you know dramatically different, but just to see how my what my kids say, what they like. My I had one son that kept saying, "So could this move? Could this keep coming here to Utah?" And I'm like, "I don't think the waves will get here. I don't think <laughs> that'll happen. No, I doubt that." But it's interesting. They don't know. They're afraid. So then you watch all of these stories of the neighbors helping neighbors. What did you think? What stood out most about the storm? What uh, human stories did you see? What do you see about being human in the middle of a disaster? On the east end of Long Island, I can't remember the name of the town. This lady lives in a house. They're talking with her this morning on uh, Channel 2 in New York. She lives in the house. It was built in 1775. So it's not the first hurricane it's seen. They've seen a few She said her house is perfect. But so many other people in the neighborhood have flooded houses, washed away houses, all kinds of problems. She's basically running a free room and board for neighbors. Come on a lot of them over. she doesn't even know. Oh, that's amazing. And, and you see this happening in New Jersey. You see it happening in Manhattan. You see it happening uh, all over the East. And, and basically it comes down to, in the end, the first responders, the Red Cross, they're so busy just trying to deal with the immediate emergency at hand that the little things like, hmm, what's for lunch? Yeah. You got to work with your neighbors. It's amazing. What else? What else stands out for any of you that just kind of strikes you about this great storm? This is the Houston boy, Bryce Tobin. Uh, I saw a lot of uh, things on the Internet of people who were just out and about doing their thing on the East Coast in the middle of the storm and uh, random animals like cats, dogs. There was a few ducks in some Quack. situations. They would come up to these people and uh, sort of like, plea for help. Like, what the heck's going on oh, here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Several pictures of people bundling up, you know, a little little <laughs> a set little of goat. kittens. I don't know, a little <laughs> litter of kittens that had just been floating around for a while. And it's, oh my heavens! It's, uh, some people have become new pet owners. Yes, thanks to Sandy. Um, oh my heavens! I didn't happiness. see that. Right? <laughs> like now, all of a sudden, you're building an ark. 
Right, right. <laughs> in Battery City, and you're trying to put all your animals on it. Did you see any otters, by the way? No, they're good. Because Bryce <laughs> loves <cool>. otters. <laughs> he does. That is so... I did not see that. I, I bet there's some pretty creepy animals coming out of the subway, though. I'm sure. Stay oh, away from that well, stuff. Well, like, there was a photo where um, in New Jersey where the entire front lawn it has about like three feet of water, and there's a shark <laughs> in the lawn. And like the porch is Mom, raised, where's you the know? dog? A shark yeah, know, in the lawn? The yard yeah, yeah, it's a shark. That's like, because the lawn, you know, there's like three feet of water. And so there's a shark <laughs> just right there. And then you can see like the raised porch over there. So technically, like you could be standing on the porch, look outside and be like, oh, look, uh, there's a shark. Can you imagine that 911 call? Um, we have a shark. On our front lawn. <laughs> what do you do with the shark on they're, the they're lawn? They're so busy right now. Say, Ma'am, just do you have a second floor? Yeah, just <laughs> go up there. Don't touch it. Don't yeah. touch that shark. Uh, that would be surreal just to walk outside and be like, oh, my gosh. Because truthfully, like, I've always wondered, like, what happens to the fish? Like, what happens to... Well, they to- said the streets are filled with dead fish. Yeah. Which is sad. But um, it's just well, like... Well, it's good for the cats. <laughs> and the rats. <laughs> I mean, you know what I was sad about was supposedly where um, Snooky filmed her show, Jersey Shore. Is that what her name is? Snooky? Oh, that whole boardwalk's just torn That off. whole thing's messed a up. A lot of it, they, they just spent a whole bunch of money fixing from Hurricane Irene. I know. And they, they had oh, just bummer. gotten it all done. Or Hurricane Snooky. Well, and and <laughs> it was gone. I mean, that, but that's – it reminded me almost of uh, Katrina. How they show some of these bridges where the pillars were there, but everything yeah. was gone. It wasn't like it was wrecked. It was the boards were in some neighborhood two miles inland. You know, it is pretty amazing. Kind of the human side of this. A lot of a lot of heroes out there. You heard about the Coast Guard that went in and saved that uh, the crew from that ship. That what was it like? The let me go get it here. That it was, was that a, the one that they were shooting the movie. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And I mean, all of a sudden, you're having to go pick up a bunch of people who were on this. The HMS Bounty, <laughs> this ship that is a replica, an eighteen and uh, battling eighteen foot waves off of North Carolina, and these guys are—they had to jump off, save a bunch of them. In fact, I think there's still a few that they um, haven't been able to find. One oh, crew member, wow. Claudine Christian, died, oh. and the captain of the ship was swept away. But the Marines went in there, or the. Uh, Coast Guard went in there, spotted the plane, rescued everybody, took a couple trips, and saved the day. And then you saw the nurses evacuating that hospital the, and that, that uh, newborn, I think, intensive care unit at the hospital. I mean, this is where it really matters. you got to know your neighbors, and you, it's, it comes down to the human factor. You know, What's the government going to do for you for the next three days? Now you just do whatever you can for each other. And family having to reach out to that was eerie to watch in the middle of the night was the, the evacuation of I think it was the NYU hospital yeah. because a lot of these people are already sick they're already trying to have whatever comforts at home they can just so they get feeling better and the, the emotional stress of just having to move yeah and go out and I think it was thirty seven degrees or something outside it was it was tough and so I, imagine those that at least had family there. That could mm. sure help to be like it's it's you know hold a hand say it's all going to be okay and I I, I realize the uh, EMTs nurses and others who who transported them probably were as kind and compassionate as they can but they have a lot of people that move yeah let's keep sure going. sure helps if you have a friend there or well a and then a member. fire I mean down the street there's another and a fire so you've got wind 
Earth, Wind, and Fire, which was a great <laughs> band, by the way. Great band. But uh, So now you have a, a fire burning down 80 to 100 houses in the flooded beachfront neighborhood of Breezy Point, New York, on the Rockaway Peninsula Who in Queens. Who would have ever expected that? A fire. Yeah. They pulled 190 firefighters converged to help extinguish the blaze. They had to use boats to rescue the people. I mean, it's just crazy. And there's a, just a weird irony to that. Too. There is, isn't there? It's like water all around, but then there's a fire. You can't quite do much about it. The Con Edison, uh, I don't know if it's a substation or, or a power generating plant, but uh, the security camera footage in the part of New York all of a sudden is just... Yeah, shooting, yeah. Uh, just that took all the power out for whatever it's been, 7 million people. And then the subways will be down. Oh. Ba- best estimates, what, another four days? Man, buses would be running tonight and tomorrow starting. And and that's what you wonder, too, is you see in New Jersey and other places the damage the salt's doing. It's dumping sand everywhere. Ugh. Can you imagine how much sand is down in the, some, of the, some of these places yeah. in the subway? Especially, I think they said a lot of the Port Authority trans-Hudson stuff, the, the stuff that goes under the Hudson River into New Jersey, uh, a lot yeah. of that flooded out. What yeah, a, it's just getting started, that, that, which I guess gets into the economy. They say, hey, this might be a boon for the economy. Now we're going to have jobs. Yeah, we're going to have to start doing a lot of work. And a lot of work. Unemployed uh, people are going to be able to go get a job, I guess. Just in time for Christmas. <laughs> and then, and, yeah. And then where do you go? And now your house smells like fish and you got a shark floating in your front yard. Now, I mean, it changes now, of course, everything. if you're listening and you're, and you're living in an area in uh, Michigan or West Virginia – you have a whole West entire Virginia. new angle to this hurricane because when is the last time have you have you ever heard of a hurricane <laughs> dropping two feet of snow and blizzard yeah. conditions? Isn't that crazy? Does, does that ever happen in Houston, Bryce? No, it doesn't. Does no, it? never. But the skiing will be great. Fabulous. If they only had a hill. Well, West Virginia has some hills. They, do they have a ski resort in West Virginia? Oh, West Virginia They've got has it. nothing but hills. Yeah, but like a mountain, I guess I'm saying a mountain. Oh, yeah. You'd probably do some great skiing in West Virginia. I think uh, we're very lucky. Everybody out there probably could just breathe a sigh of relief that we've made it. And wow. What do you do? What do you say? It's just tragic. And again, we're going to be choosing a new topic today that's going to have nothing to do with this one. So uh, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we are going to dive headfirst into... Internet addictions and uh, how you handle probably the biggest one, um, addiction to pornography. We're taking it on. We're bringing on an expert who can walk us through, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. What are the real problems? I mean, is it that big of a deal to be addicted to pornography? Well, according to the experts, it is. We'll be back on the Matt Townsend Show to give you some insight on that right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. about the new blast protection system for buildings? The strength of this innovative design is in the wallpaper. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Berry Plastics Corporation of Indiana, in cooperation with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, has developed an ultra-strong blast protection system that can be easily installed without special handling or tools. The X-Flex Blast Protection System is essentially wallpaper that can be applied on the inside of exterior walls. In the event of an explosion or natural disaster, the wallpaper holds the wall together to prevent the wall, debris, or even shrapnel from entering the structure. 
X-Flex is a Kevlar-like material combined with an elastic polymer wrap that's formed into a thin mesh sheet. The material is applied to a wall or structure like you would install wallpaper. You peel the backing and press it onto the wall. For more stability, fasteners can be bolted to the top and bottom of the sheet. Covering an entire room can take less than an hour. Once installed, the advanced protection is immediate. The material is so strong that it's already being considered for U.S. military bases overseas, and it's not hard to imagine immediate industrial applications to protect against terrorism or industrial accidents. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. The Kennedy Center's Global Awareness Lecture invites international diplomats, scholars, and talented individuals to speak on issues affecting the global community. Increase your global awareness, enjoy the insights of extraordinary speakers, and keep up with the world around you by tuning into Notes from the Kennedy Center. Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, just, you know, being told what to do <laughs> by Skyler. Skyler's always looking out for you. Yeah, I yeah, he's really looking out for me. Hey, know. Matt, one second. <laughs> and then I, like, take 10, and he's like, anytime. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's so hard to find good help. If you're back east and you need a job working the board... <laughs> Come to Salt Lake. Come to Utah. We'll hook you up. Not a lot of rain here. We're also here. looking for a new host. It's for a the show. So. Oh, man. Oh. I'm going to get you at the next break. You're mine, Skyboy. So um, here's the deal. If I told you that pornography was an addiction, could you believe it? Definitely. Anybody else? Anyone yes. Okay, yeah. there's two They're girls. They're nodding their heads. Any guys? The guys are nodding their heads, too. <laughs> well, I'll just agree, sure. Yeah. That was, that was intern Dave. <laughs> just kidding. Tyler that Colin. That was Tyler that we never give him credit by letting, using his real name. We just call him the intern. <laughs> the intern. Um, he just accused me of stealing things. That's that all. He just me of stealing things, and now you know we're talking about pornography. Um, but it's, it's a big deal. In fact, some of the latest statistics – in fact, these are a little older than – these aren't so new. These are from 2012. But check this out. Uh, what percentage would you say of internet or internet in search engine searches uh, relate to pornography? Anybody want to guess that one? 25. You bugged me, dude. You nailed it. How really? did you know that? I just guessed. You liar. 25%. <laughs> 25% of, there you go, search engine requests uh, are related to pornography. Uh, check this one. Can anyone guess how many number of internet users view porn every second? Give me a number, smarty pants. I, I didn't hear the question. I was distracted by okay. Madison. What, <laughs> what number of internet users view porn every second? 20,000. <laughs> it's higher. It's 28,000 people view porn every second, making 
billions of dollars a year. It's a big deal. Anybody know why it's a big deal? Why would pornography, of all things, be a big deal? Because this is what we're going to be talking about. We're bringing in an expert who's going to walk us through what to do, how to know if it's becoming a problem, how to, how to start to deal with it. But I want to know why it's such a big deal. Because when I see clients in my office, some say it's not a big deal. What's the big deal? It's just pornography. I'm not hurting anybody. You know, for me, if you take away like the moral things about it, um, it's just how there are records that it can lead to worse things. Like um, I've heard that this addiction is just like a drug addiction where you need to like go, you need to start using more and more drugs to get that same high, to get that same feeling. And so then there's a point where that porn's not going to be enough, yeah. you know, and then you turn to harder stuff, you know, to keep on going on and on. And so that's, I mean, that's just a bad road, you know, it's kind Where of does like, that end? Yeah. yeah, it's just kind of like same thing with, you know, kids like, yeah, like don't do drugs, don't do any gateway drugs. Well, I'm sure that there's like gateway porn, Yeah, you know, like that sort of stuff where it can lead to really bad stuff. No, I totally agree. And it's got to impact your relationship. I mean, how do you look at pornography and then go look at a partner the same way? You know what I mean? It's got to impact how you see them, what you expect is normal. Well, especially if they're like photos, you know, that can have very unrealistic expectations. Yeah. You know, because it's just like if you're married, you know, and it it can be the same way. Like some women are affected by this, you know, and you're just like, man, that guy looks like so good. Six mm-hmm. pack, eight pack, even, you know. I got a 12 then, like, pack. <laughs> and then like you look to your husband and you're like, <laughs> oh. Roll. Like, oh my word! You know. <laughs> did you hear what he said? I did not. Well, it's rude, so I won't repeat it. I mean, it's hard because then, yeah, you you all of a sudden it's just about this image that's not realistic. Yeah. Like you just kind of go, honey, you know, like you you're starting to lose hair. Like yeah. that's, that's not attractive. You no. know, I just and then like same thing with men with women. You know, yep. it's just like, hun, you're putting on a few pounds. You know, it's just yeah. you might not say that to them, but you will be thinking that it's just unrealistic expectations <laughs> and how. It just escalates. I think it's huge. I see it with my clients all the time. And it's interesting, too. I see a lot of times um, it's it's kind of a quiet killer because a wife catches her husband looking at pornography and all of a sudden she starts to question herself like, what's wrong with me? Am I not good enough? Am exactly. I, I mean, that's what you're saying. And it's real. I see it every single day with my clients and – it's it's something, too, that I, I don't know how big of a deal we think it is um, until it impacts us. Now, did any of you ever hear about what um, Ted Bundy talked about? Did you, did you any – did we talk about this? I mean, I know a few of you saw it. but So Ted Bundy, you all know who Ted is? Yes. Ted a, was a serial killer, okay? A mass murderer kind of guy. Not mass, I guess, but a serial killer. Murderer killed in Florida. I think he was convicted of 30 murders. And they, they believe, suspect him for more. Yeah, they suspect he had even more. But on the night before he was executed, he called in jo- Dr. James Dobson to interview him. And um, a lot of people, you know, what do you do? Do you believe what a serial killer says on the night he's executed? <laughs> exactly. But he sat down, Dr. Dobson, and they talked. And Dr. Dobson basically just asked him, how did you get to this point in your life where all of a sudden you can um, – do you're, these things. Well, you're dying. Mind. You're going to die tomorrow. In fact, I, that's part of the interview. You are going to die tomorrow for murdering people. And he admitted he did. And um, 
how did you get there? And he starts to tell his story about he came from a really good family, two Christian parents, typical family, wonderful people, had nothing to do with the parents, but that he found pornography in like a garbage can in his back, you know, in the back of his house and just started checking it out and watching it. And he said it became more and more of a draw to him. He kept finding more and more pornography. He kept looking at pornography growing up. And he had to get more aggressive forms of pornography that involved more violence. And he just needed more and it became insatiable. And he said that's basically was the gateway. That was what led him to uh, other fantasies, other issues, and then acting it out. Now, he's obviously the exception, Right. Yeah, he's the extreme. But in his account, you know, it's just crazy because he says, like, I looked like a normal guy. Like, I, you wouldn't oh. look at me and go like, oh, your creep alarm would turn off yeah. or like pervert he alarm. He was smart. He was, yeah. I think, in law school. Uh-huh. He was and even pretty good looking. as like I was watching the video, you know, I was kind of surprised at that because there's also the thing of, OK, was he like manipulating or anything like the people because he had been a manipulator his whole life? But it was still just yeah, really huge. crazy. And so part of the idea that his basic point was, look, if you come to prison, he said almost everybody in prison has some connection to pornography as well. It's just what everyone's doing. And it's it's just fascinating. So I would suggest you go check it out. But as part of that, it's um, he got stung is what we're calling it. And uh, Bryce Tobin, our great producer here, put together a really cool little, uh, I guess, a rant. Is it a rant? It's a kinder, gentler rant. It's kinder, gentler. I also didn't voice it. Yeah. So this is um, this is Bryce Tobin's writing, as read by as read by Rob Sanders, and then edited by Bryce, because Bryce's voice hurts. Um, anyway, just kidding. How do we keep from getting involved with this stuff? Is it better to just jump in and test the waters or just look on from the shore? Well, Bryce Tobin has some science that he'd love to share with us. So I guess it's fitting that Halloween is this week because Bryce is walking around like a zombie and at, he looks alive, but boy, he sure doesn't sound alive. The cold decided to take away my voice. <laughs> Scariest Halloween costume I've ever heard. But we have a policy of no rant left behind, so here goes. I hope this doesn't upset you or whatever it is Bryce says, but... Uh, I'm about to rant on Bryce's behalf. This is the Bryce is sick, but is still right. So Bryce poses the question, how do you stop someone from doing something before they ever do it? Well, you should let Bryce know once you figure that out, because not only will they throw Nobel Prizes at you like T-shirts at a hockey match, but every parent in the world will eagerly want to be your best friend. You see, when it comes to learning, Bryce thinks there are two methods we are already well aware of. You can directly experience something, or you can be indirectly informed. Now, direct experience is pretty easy to understand. Early in Bryce's life, he had no idea what the bee was capable of. Buzzing around, sniffing flowers, hanging out in beehives. But Bryce had a habit of messing with bees anyway, even though people had made him aware to some degree or another that bees were capable of bad things. One afternoon, he was less careful than normal, and his finger hurt a little more than normal. Yeah, that bee was diabolically minding its own business when he had the audacity to sting Bryce after he innocently decided to, you know, start swatting at it or try to catch it, put it in a jar. How rude! But since that day, Bryce has learned, and now Bryce keeps his distance from bees. Mission accomplished, right? Yeah, he thinks so. But wouldn't it be even better to learn without the trauma? 
So what about being indirectly informed? This one's a little harder to pin down, but the goal is avoidance after being taught that he's already seeing a problem with this one. Sometimes it's really hard to get that idea to stick in somebody's mind. The pain of Bryce's bee sting really got the message across. But sitting down and telling Bryce, Bryce, bees are bad. Well, that's boring. And the whole time you're telling Bryce, he just gets curious about bee stings and why, well, wonder why they hurt so much. And when it comes to kids, they always believe what adults say the first time, right? Kids never go all headstrong against your wishes thinking they know what's best, right? Oh, wait, they do that every single time. So sometimes that method seems a little futile. But Bryce says there is good news. There's a psychological method that is more effective than teaching without having to directly experience something dangerous. It's called... Oh, come on, Bryce. I can't pronounce that. Attitudinal inoculation. That better be right, Bryce. However you pronounce it, here's what Bryce knows so far. The attitudes and beliefs that people express are not as solid as psychologists initially thought. Turns out people are very moldable. Along those lines, they did an experiment years ago that looked at people and their arguments. One part of the study examined how strongly people feel about a certain side of the argument. Let's take racism, for example. People were asked to argue in favor of their views. Others were asked to argue in favor of the opposite side of their view. And you know what? Findings were a little bit scary. First off, people who argued in favor of their own beliefs made pretty weak arguments. And they had no more or less conviction afterwards. Second, those who argued in opposition to their own strongly held beliefs managed to come up with much better arguments. And then the third and scariest is that at the end of all these experiments, these people had begun to believe in the side they argued for. This was the side in opposition to their strongly held attitudes and beliefs. Okay, now, but back to that uh, term I can't pronounce. Attitudinal inoculation. The process is simple. If you want somebody to feel strongly about something, don't try to convince them to believe one way or to believe another way. Just present a weak, falsifiable argument for whatever it is that you want somebody to stay away from. It's kind of like a vaccination. Hence the word inoculation. You don't take your baby down to the doctor and have him fill him full of the most deadly version of polio. And direct experience with that normally doesn't end well either. But at the same time, you don't see a doctor loading up a syringe full of antibiotics and then sending you out on your way, because that'll probably kill you. And it's not effective. Instead, they just inject you with a weak version of the disease. Then, after your body picks up the weakling argument, it knows what to do for a stronger one. Attitudinal inoculation. I think I'm getting it right, Bryce. Well, it works in exactly the same way. As a person picks apart your weak argument, they are less likely to back down from their newfound conviction. Phew! All right, I'm out. Bryce should be out of the office, too, because he's sick. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. <laughs> it's interesting. You, you, you just don't sell it the same way, Rob. <laughs> you don't sell the rant quite the way the ranter does. But, uh, yeah, we don't want you stung, okay? Uh, Pornography is a big deal. It's hurting people. It's hurting families. So we're going to come back with Dr. Ken Schwab, who's going to help us through this, try to understand why it's so dangerous, how to to get out of an addiction uh, of this sort if you have it, and uh, just all other, a bunch of other ideas from Dr. Ken Schwab right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. After 
all the campaigns and debates, Election Day has arrived. Tuesday, November 6th, BYU Radio will bring you experts from both sides weighing in on the hotly contested races around the nation, highlighted by the photo finish between President Obama and BYU alumnus Mitt Romney. Join us for a unique look at the elections November 6th, 8 Eastern, here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The New York Stock Exchange has been literally underwater in the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy, but officials expect to ring the opening bell by tomorrow. It was closed for two days, but top economists warn that each day that Wall Street is down can cause upwards of $10 billion of output to be foregone. The market hasn't been closed for two consecutive days since 1988 due to extreme weather conditions. If the floor is not ready to open by tomorrow, organizers are already preparing a temporary electronic system to allow trading to resume. Intense flooding in one New York neighborhood was followed up swiftly by a devastating fire late last night that consumed between 80 and 100 homes. Over 190 firefighters responded as quickly as possible to the blaze, forced to perform daring rescues in the already harsh conditions. Fire crews pulled boats through chest-high flood water, water trying to get residents out of danger. During the night, only three people were injured, one firefighter who was taken to a local hospital, and two residents whose injuries were treated at the scene. In all the damage caused by the hurricane, Netflix has found a small bright spot and seems to have provided one to many while the storm made landfall last night. Online streaming through the site jumped 20% on Sunday and Monday compared to a week ago, thanks to viewers in Boston, New York, and New Jersey. Hunkering down seems to have given many Americans in harm's way a chance to catch up on some of Netflix's most popular titles like Mad Men and Breaking Bad. The body of the late Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat is going to be exhumed by an independent team in order to try and gain more perspective about his death. A combined French and Swedish team will be performing the examination. The decision was made in response to the discovery of a slight traces of toxic plutonium on some of Arafat's clothes, which has fueled conspiracy theories that his untimely death was in fact an assassination. However, even with the exhumation, there may not be any proof left of a poisoning as the toxic plutonium has a short half-life. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, today, we are taking on a, a big topic, a topic that uh, a lot of people don't discuss. Maybe some do, and when you hear it, you think, oh, they're just being uptight. But we're talking about pornography and addiction and the impact that the addiction can have on you, your psyche, on your relationships, just on the health, your well-being. Um, you know, pornography's talked about a lot. Many people do not acknowledge the effect that it has on us today. Our producer, Madison Allred, explores this idea and shares some interesting facts about the effect of pornography. Well, pornography. We hear a lot about it, hear that it is an issue, but unless we or a loved one suffers from an addiction, you rarely think about it. So is it an issue? I looked up some stats on pornography to calculate the damage it has on our country and our lives. 
The number of average monthly visitors to adult websites has steadily increased since 2001, but there was a huge jump in 2005 when numbers doubled from 37 million to over 75 million. Every second, over $3,000 is being spent on pornography. Every second, over 28,000 internet viewers are viewing pornography. Every second, 400 internet users are typing adult search terms into search engines. Every 39 minutes, a new pornographic video is being created in the U.S. The average number of pornographic emails received by each user per day is four and a half. There are over 100,000 websites that feature child pornography. There are 4.2 million pornographic sites on the internet. And the estimated number of work hours that are lost to cyber porn in America each year is 5 billion because 70% of porn site traffic occurs between the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. I expected that America would probably be in the lead for the most revenue and profiting off of pornography, but China, South Korea, and Japan are higher on the list than the U.S. China's revenue is actually double what we have, and South Korea blows everyone out of the water for the most per capita at $526 compared to the U.S. at 44 Also on the world stage, the countries that have the highest search requests for adult material are South Africa, Bolivia, and Pakistan. The top cities in the U.S. for adult search requests are Elmhurst, Illinois, Meriden, Connecticut, and Louisville, Kentucky. Now, the general stereotype is that men look at more and more than women, so I was interested to find out that women search the terms adult dating, teen sex, free sex, and cyber sex more than men. On all the other terms, it is pretty even on who searches what. 70% of women keep their cyber activity secret, and they are two times more likely to favor chat rooms than men. Also, women are more likely to act out on their behaviors in real life, such as having multiple partners, casual sex, or affairs. All I can say is that pornography is everywhere. Yesterday, when we were in the planning meeting for the show today, I kind of remarked to everyone how it's kind of funny that with all the time that I've spent on the internet for the majority of my life, I've never really come across anything pornographic. All that I can say is, I cursed myself. Last night, I was with friends and we were streaming an old movie from the 60s on one of their laptops. And as soon as we closed the window when we were done with the movie, three different windows full of pornography popped up onto the screen. Screaming followed and much shielding of the eyes as we tried to get out of these disgusting pictures and sounds. These unwanted images were more frightening and scarring than the scary movie that we had just watched. All that I can say is pornography cannot be ignored. It is an issue that we have to deal with today, and my advice is to be prepared to deal with the consequences. Excellent work, Madison. And uh, it's, you know, pornography. It's this quiet, silent thing. Um, I think most of your wives, mothers, would be really taken aback to know. And um, that, you know, that's where you're spending your time, your mind. We're bringing on Dr. Ken Schwab. Uh, Dr. Schwab has a doctorate in marriage and family therapy here from Brigham Young University. He's been married 34 years, four sons, by the way, and uh, is is an expert in counseling and coaching 
people. He runs a, a an office, a program called LifestarNetwork.org that helps people that are afflicted, that are who either their partner or themselves are trying to battle this porn addiction. So, Dr. Schwab, thanks for being with us. Great to be with you. This is a big deal, isn't it? It is. It is. It's the uh, it's the plague of our of our time. Uh, there are so many people that are addicted to it, and yet it's that silent where there's just nothing uh, – there's not a lot of evidence unless a person comes out and talks about yeah. it. Yeah. And are we just like – are we just being uptight like a bunch of just – I mean, I can get it in our, in our culture you know, with LDS people, and we just might be uptight, like just don't do stuff like that. Is this being uptight or is it really a problem? It really is a problem. When uh, when I heard those statistics, and I'm aware of other statistics that show just how much money is spent, how much time is taken away from the work workplace, um, and especially the the um, the damage that's done in a person's life as well as a spouse. Um, that's it's incredible. It's it's just really a plague of our time. What damage do you see? Now you're somebody that sees husbands and wives come in all the time trying to deal with this. What is the damage? I mean, it's not like they're on heroin. I mean, we'll get into that. But it's not. But it's not like they're you know out in the middle of some street doing drugs. This is. It's a quiet thing. Hardly anybody notices. It's not deforming. <laughs> uh, physically, I'm assuming it's not deforming, but it is deforming emotionally. It's devor- it's deforming the marriages relationally. Absolutely, uh, it's when after you get a chance to work with some of these couples and you see the damage that a wife feels uh, for her, and it's kind of interesting to her. She feels it's every bit as uh, much of a betrayal as if he was to if the husband was to go out and and have an affair or seek out a prostitute, to her it's just as damaging. Mm-hmm. And so we see wives, once they find out, go through all kinds of emotions. Uh, they're traumatized by it. Oh, yeah. I've seen many a marriage, like, destroyed. Mm-hmm. And then they almost, they struggle then, how do I get over that? How do I trust that again and, and this relationship again? What does, it do to the, what does it do to the offender, to the one using the pornography? Well, that's kind of interesting. You you had said that there wasn't a physical effect, but now that we have brain scans, yeah. we can actually show that with brain scans that uh, there are changes in the brain that take place. And, it's altering uh, the brain. It, it does. It, it really does. And as, ma- as amazing as the brain is, as uh, much plasticity as it has, the ability to change, um, uh, it, it still creates those problems. And, and what is it doing to the brain? What, I guess the same thing as an addiction. Uh, much like that, yes. Um, uh, it shifts from the upper part of the brain, the thinking part of the brain that we normally use, uh, down to the limbic system, which yeah. is near the uh, the base of the brain. Uh, that part is being used, and that's the non th- <clears throat> excuse me the non thinking part of the brain. Uh, so Just what kind happens, of the reactive part? Exactly. Yeah, that's the the fight or flight response, mm-hmm. the uh, eat or be eaten, yeah. the, the increased pleasure, decreased pain. So you're actually pain. decreasing your uh, your 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 focus or your time in your thinking brain, mm-hmm. and replacing it with the fight or fi- fight or flight kind of brain. 
fight, flight, or mate. Exactly. And so it would be much like a muscle. If you're not using a muscle, atrophy would set in. That's exactly what's happening up in the prefrontal cortex. And and that shows up in brain scans as far as the – that part of the brain is not being used. So it doesn't give off that that energy that's measured on a brain scan. And it looks kind of like Swiss cheese. It looks like it's not – it's actually kind of creating holes in your brain. (laughs) Isn't that funny? And we don't think of it. We just – yeah, come on. Yeah. It's just boys yeah. being boys. Yeah. But no. No, it, uh, that there has that effect. I think it's also very difficult on a person's self-esteem. Um, you know, after a person looks at that, there's this rush. There's mm-hmm. this, this feel-good, these chemicals that are released in the brain. But when a person gets through with it, oftentimes there's this feeling of, uh-oh, this this shame. I, yeah. I've betrayed somebody. I've uh, I'm I'm hurting myself, and yeah. uh, and we're finding that whether a person's religious or not, they they start realizing that this is taking them away from who they really are. Well, yeah, I guess all of a sudden, if you don't have self control, you're going to doubt yourself. I mean, you're going to yeah. just start seeing that you have less and less control over yourself, less and less power. That's true. How could that not impact you? Yeah. Is it? Um, and then uh, I guess it's interesting because we kind of think of the addiction because it's sexually, you know, I guess acted out. We think that the benefit is more of a sexual thing, but it's really more of a brain thing, isn't it? That, that's the benefits, correct. the payoff in the brain. That's right. Um, you know, it's really not about sex at all. It's about a feeling of acceptance hmm. or attachment. Yeah. Um, you, you know well that attachment is a human need. Yeah. And when a person doesn't get that human need, they start searching for something, and, and it goes directly to that limbic system. The limbic system then reaches out in its memory, tries to find something to make them feel good, and if they've been introduced to that before, and yeah. the fact that's kind of interesting is uh, the average age of our young people is 11 years of age. That Where they're they exposed. Start, they're exposed. They're exposed, yeah. And so those memories then go in the brain. And, and my experience has been a lot of them don't even seek it, but a, an older brother, yeah. a friend, Someone somebody will introduce it yeah. to them. Then that memory's in the brain. And whenever that limbic system is trying to get its high, it reaches out, grabs mm. that memory, brings it back and says, now go ahead and do that again. Isn't that amazing? And we have these innocent little 11-year-olds that mm-hmm. developmentally aren't capable of handling this thought yeah. and this thought of a sexual image or whatever. And it's now – it's being introduced kind of more involuntarily. They're seeing it just surfing on the internet. Yeah. And now there's kind of somewhere to hang this – this problem exactly, and and so many times what what will happen is is our our young people get exposed to something and they're not even uh, aware of the danger that that's happening uh, in our area. Not too long ago, there was uh, sexting was a big deal, yeah. and so they would use their cell phones and they would. Uh, 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 take pictures of themselves in, in, uh, without their clothes on. They'd send it to all their friends, not realizing it was out there now for, for anybody ever. to see in, in cyberspace. Uh, it's a big deal. Okay, we're talking to Dr. Ken Schwab. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get a little bit more into it, try to figure out what else it does to our brain, what does it do to our relationships, the money that we spend, and really, how do you start to treat it? Dr. Ken Schwab from lifestarnetwork.org, helping us uh, try to understand how to stop these addictions and uh, make ourselves a little bit healthier. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Can you build a robot that can fetch your slippers from the living room? How about from behind a rock on Mars? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. NASA's Centennial Challenge Program engages the public to find innovative solutions through competition and cooperation. One of these forward-looking contests is the Sample Return Robot Challenge. Scheduled for 2012, it carries a million and a half dollar total prize purse for the winners. The goal of the Sample Return Robot Challenge is to develop a robotic system that can operate without human guidance or interference. The plan is for the pre-programmed robotic competitors to find, gather, and return multiple objects to a designated zone, and do it before the clock runs out. The robots will be retrieving items such as a hockey puck, a metal hook, and several other small objects. I don't actually think slippers are on the list. The benefits of such an invention are far-reaching. Since it's not dependent on communication with the control room on Earth, a robot that can operate autonomously will enable deeper space exploration. It could also cut down the time it takes to gather samples to analyze and achieve mission goals. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. There's an answer to every question, a solution to every problem. Join a group of leading scholars and experts in the conversation about practical and constructive solutions to today's societal issues. BYU's Weekly Forum shares motivating and inspiring ideas on the present and future of our world today. Join us on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking to Dr. Ken Schwab, who uh, has a doctorate in marriage and family therapy. He uh, has been married for 34 years, has four sons, and has worked basically uh, in Las Vegas. He, he's done a lot of uh, work, even in private practice, working with people who have um, relationship issues, but very specifically porn addiction or some kind of, I guess, uh, even sexual addictions, things like that. So, Dr. Schwab, welcome back. Thanks for being with us. Great to be with you. Now, um, it's okay. So, what if if you're let's say you've kind of you've seen porn. It's started to create a habit. You're starting to see it. I guess. How do you know? First of all, it's a it's a habit or an addiction. Let's mm-hmm. go with addiction. Uh, it's it's there's not a clear cut uh, line when it crosses from a habit uh, to an addiction, um, and but but a person would surely know when it's very difficult to stop. Uh, they've tried to do that. They've tried to make an effort. They've promised other people, yeah. or they've set a goal and said, "By this date, I will stop." They do well for a little while, and then boom, there's another slip or a relapse. It's that seems like that's the pattern, huh? It's the they start promising, yeah. And it's almost like that's it's it's almost like the broken promise or the broken trust is maybe even a bigger impact than the act itself. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like I mean, not more dangerous to the marriage. Oh, definitely, uh, that trust is shattered. Um, yeah. And so, what happens is that creates a trauma uh, for the wife. Then the wife 
is 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 uh, you know she she gets married expecting that that there will be faithfulness and, and honesty in the marriage and and both of those two things are shattered the the faithfulness is gone now because in her mind he betrayed me mm-hmm. and then the second thing is the honesty because again remember it's a it's a shame issue here right uh, for the husband you know he he's sitting here saying you know this this shame is there and. And I'm not going to tell anybody about right, it. Right, no way. Let's just let this one go. Yeah, yeah. If so I, they kind if, of never get help then. Exactly. So secrecy is always the lifeblood of an addiction. Yeah. And Keep so, it under the rock. Exactly. Yeah. And so what happens then is, is um, he tries to keep it inside, tries to keep it quiet when really the only way to deal with the addiction is to bring it out into the open. Mm-hmm. Let the light – that's what I always say. Just you know, if you flip the rock over and let the sunlight hit what's under the rock, it's going to be a great disinfectant. Yeah. The yeah. light t- tends to yeah, clean, well, doesn't it? Yeah. One of, one of our uh, uh, people that have been through the, the Lifestar program – Said he he compares it to a mushroom. He says, "Do you know where mushroom grows?" And I said, "No, edify me, Tell teach me." me yeah. You know? And then yeah. he says, "Well, it, it grows in dark places, moist, and basically it grows in crap." Oh, interesting. And, and he says, "The way to be able to," he says, "If you take any of those things away, you take away the darkness yeah. and the the, yeah. the moistness." He says, "The mushrooms die." And, die. and so that's important. Get that light to it. Uh-huh. Get that light there so that people can help him. And and it's kind of interesting too, man. That, that we we speak of this as a as a male mm-hmm. uh, yeah, situation. Yeah, I was going to say women are yeah. addicted to porn they, as well. They figure about two thirds male, about one third female. And it's we we we're starting to see a lot more females that are that come forth and say, "Hey, we've uh, we've got a problem too." And it's if it's embarrassing for men, it's even more embarrassing oh, for the yeah. women. Well, and it's uh, yeah, I think we think that they don't think that way, but I guess in the end. They're just everyone's. It's just medication. They're all just medicating their desire for some other connection, some other attachment. Yeah, right? yeah, that's that's right. It's this this connection, this uh, this attachment that's a human need. Mm-hmm. And so, if if there's you know if if that's not there, there's these these holes you, you could say these trauma yeah. wounds that are left. And 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 a person is trying to fill those holes up with something. Right. And unfortunately, the fastest things to fill those things up are also probably addicting. Isn't that? And it seems like too. I guess once you get addicted, you could try to fill. I mean, I, I could see people that already had the addiction. Then it it could almost be anything. Then it wouldn't even have to just come from your old you know issues with attachment. Then when you're bored. Mm-hmm. Your brain just says, "Hey, do that one thing that makes our brain feel so good." Yeah, or yeah. when you're mad, or when you're, or, you know, when you're anxious, or when you're, you're feeling all of these other feelings. Then all of a sudden, the addiction just keeps taking you down the same trap. Exactly. To, <clears throat> any any kind of emotion can do that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we'll use the 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 acronym BLAST. Uh, B L A. Then we add an H in there. S T. B stands for bored. When you're bored. L is lonely. A is angry. H is hungry. S is stressed. And T is tired. And so you get enough of that in our society. But, but imagine somebody that's out, out traveling, uh, uh, maybe, maybe uh, uh, driving a truck or staying at a motel or, or someplace away from home where yeah. there's that, that, that solid basis there. Yeah. Now they're out there, and if they start feeling those emotions, they're going to be triggered. It's interesting. And yeah, and their brain's like, yeah, you know, maybe 
just do that. That would feel better. That makes everything go away. And then you get a little dose, I guess, of chemistry and mm-hmm. then it fades. And then I guess do you need more? Is I guess do you just – that's part of the addiction is you just keep seeking it more quickly, more consistently. Yes, yes. A person would often uh, seek, seek more and more uh, things that are more – a little bit exciting to them, yeah. a, a little bit more arousing. Yeah. And uh, one, one thing that I, I think is important is um, uh, th- that it doesn't – some people say, well, then for all of these people that are doing that, they'll eventually become child right. abusers. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's not true. No. I think a lot of times people will draw a line and they'll say, hey, this isn't going to go that yeah. direction. So we want to make sure that people – not everybody's going to be a Ted Bundy. Right. That's great. And that's important because – I mean, you have to have other issues to be a Ted Bundy, right? Yeah. And yeah. other things other than just something like this. But this just kind of, it seems like it just puts you on a track that you're out of control. You, you start, you're on the slippery slope, I call it. Right. You're starting to slide. Uh, that's a You've lost your traction. Great, great way to put that. And, and what I see in working with these people, these are good people. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they, their heart is in the right place. They're trying to do things. They just feel hopeless mm-hmm. and helpless. And like you say, they get in that slippery slope and down they go. Well, and then it's all, I, I like, I love the way that you bring up that it's like for attachment. It seems like so many people are looking for more or a deeper, more profound sense of closeness, mm-hmm. intimacy. And then the minute you're, it seems like the minute you're reaching for something um, like pornography, you're you're almost ensuring a, a, a lesser sense of intimacy than just you being with your partner. You don't need you don't need all of these extra things involved in your intimacy to make it more special and more close. You almost just need to just be more present and right. more together. Right, exactly. That's that's the key on on that is that this never does fulfill the mm. real human need of, yeah. of attachment, and so what it does is it becomes artificial. Um, if a person's looking at that, many times those figures that they see on yeah. their screens are have been airbrushed and computer oh, yeah. enhanced, and, yeah. and 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 that's part of the problem too. The husband feels even worse. What's yeah. wrong with me? I don't look like a, uh-huh. a macho dude here, and and the wife feels worse. She says, "I can't ever compare to yeah. that. I've got things wrong with me." And 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 the reality is is that you're right. Intimacy is none of that anyway. And then you you come back and you're trying to, I guess be normal with your spouse and there's nothing – I mean I think that's one of the things I see with a lot of the clients that I work with is they sense something's going on mm-hmm. and they can't – they don't always know what it is but they know that you're not present. Yeah, yeah. Women women have a sixth sense. Yeah. They, they do. They, they know something is wrong. They know something's coming down. They may not know exactly what it is but it puts them in a kind of a state of anxiety mm-hmm. and then they start looking and, and they might look at the, the history on the computer and pretty soon uh, once they find it – and they, you always find it oh, yeah. at some point. Oh, yeah. Then there's problems. Game on. Yes. We're talking to Dr. Ken Schwab from LifestarNetwork.org. Uh, about pornography, about pornography addiction. And when we come back from the break, we're going to get into some uh, what we should do, some tools, some solutions. If you are out there battling this addiction, if you think your partner might be, what should we do about it? How do we detect it? And uh, what do we do to start taking our lives back and uh, becoming the change we need to be? We'll be back with Dr. Ken Schwab. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 
KBYU-FM, HD2 Provo. In such a fast-paced world, isn't it nice to slow down every now and then? Dean Duncan's approach to interviewing isn't about rushing through. He likes to take his time in getting to know his guests. Join us for This'll Take a While. Weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The death toll in the U.S. caused by Hurricane Sandy is now over 35 as rescue crews continue to work as hard as they can to help those still in need. Most of the deaths are attributed to falling trees in New York City and around New Jersey. The two highly populated areas are both struggling to find ways to get flooded public transit back online. The powerful winds have caused over 8.2 million people to lose power throughout the region. Sandy is now pushing farther inland through Pennsylvania and into the Great Lakes region, which could bring even more flooding and damage, despite the storm's winds slowing down to 45 miles per hour. While both presidential campaigns are still on hold in the aftermath of the hurricane, polling shows that the race is essentially still in a dead heat. After the four-day Reuters, according to the four-day Reuters tracking poll, the president has once again gained a one-point lead among registered voters over Mitt Romney, who held the same advantage last week. However, there's a vast gap in predictions about who will actually win. The same poll shows that 53 percent of voters predict that President Obama is going to earn a second term, while only 29 percent feel that Romney has the race won. As large as the Disney Corporation is, they have always been willing to expand further, and this time it's to a galaxy far, far away. Lucasfilm, including the entire Star Wars franchise, has now been acquired by Disney to the tune of well over $4 billion. Not only have they bought the franchise, but Disney has already announced a new trilogy. Star Wars 7 is now set for release in 2015, with 8 and 9 expected to follow a few years after that. George Lucas, the original creator of the iconic film series, says that he is excited to see Star Wars once again pass to another generation. He also commented on the announcement, saying he is glad he was able to pass the franchise down to younger filmmakers and keep the story going. After a failed truce, the Syrian Air Force has been launching a continuous barrage of airstrikes. The renewed intensity has targeted many rebel strongholds around the war-torn country. In one rebel-controlled city, upwards of 28 civilians have been killed by the airstrikes, including women and children. Though the rebel force is not just taking a beating, according to state-controlled media, a, quote, terrorist strike has assassinated an Air Force general. The failed ceasefire was going to be the first reduction of violence in the 19-month-old conflict. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are taking on addictions, especially porn addiction today, pornography addiction, and we've brought on Dr. Ken Schwab, who is um, a has a doctorate in marriage and family therapy, he's been a therapist for many, many years, worked in the industry for about 29 years. Right now, 
He uh, runs a program called LifestarNetwork.org and uh, is spending all day probably, most of your days, dealing with this uh, problem of pornography addiction. Yeah, it's a big part of it. Um, uh, it we we work a lot at night uh, yeah. because with people being at work, and um, and, and then uh, both in Bountiful uh, and also in in South Ogden area, but uh, LifeStar is really in in quite a few of the. It's nationwide. So if nationwide. So if somebody's out there and and they're struggling, they could look up LifeStarNetwork.org. That's correct. And find I guess the closest office. That's exactly right. Um, it really – I've sent a lot of clients to LifeStar and it really is a powerful tool. I mean it's it has to be customized, right? Your solution to this can't just be a one-size-fits-all. It's you got to get into your mind and find out what's happening um, because it seems like to break the addiction, there's a lot of things you got to break here. Whatever like the blast – remember we talked about bored, lonely, angry, hungry, stressed, tired. Those are the – I guess the, the triggers. The triggers. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of break that. You got to break some of your patterns, your system. But then you have to break just your physiology, your body craving. I guess your brain craving certain chemistry, and then your body craving a release. This is a lot of stuff to take on. It, it really is. It's it's not just a simple thing <clears throat> where a person can say, uh, you know, I'm just going to stop today. Yeah, I'm done. Um, in fact, many times that adds to that cycle of addiction. Because what they'll do is they'll say, I'm going to stop, and they might be able to go a day, a week, a couple of months. Uh, we've had some go a whole year, yeah. and then they hit that you know, that, that point where they have a slip, a relapse, and, and then they feel all that shame again, yeah. and it starts all over, and they say, what is wrong with me? You know, what? Such a loser. Yeah. Boom, blast again. And, and, and it is hard, Matt. You, you're yeah. exactly right. With all those chemicals that are released, a person looks at it. And within – they measured in nanoseconds of really? how fast that message gets to the, the pleasure centers of the brain and it releases all kinds of chemicals that the brain produces. Mm. So there's you know, chemicals like adrenaline and, and endorphins yeah. and dopamines. We know of at least six that are released. And that and pump just, you up in that oh, moment. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so it's really difficult because it, it, it works oh, yeah. and, and it works every time. Uh-huh. It's that problem then, what happens after, and a person mm-hmm. says, oh, no, I wasn't going to do this again. Yeah, it's a, it's, uh, that's the deal. And then that, back to your trap, and then you're back at it. That cycle. We look at it in terms of mm-hmm. that cycle that goes over and over and over again, and, and then it starts, like any addiction, you, they bring the disease home, and then the disease spreads to everybody else mm-hmm. in the home, and it, it becomes uh, it just just becomes a lot of. I even see. Then they get irritable. They get more angry. They become more distant. Sometimes that might lead to other things, affairs, other activities, other behaviors. Yes. it just spreads, doesn't it? It it, it does, and and I, I, it just boy, I'll tell you, we just have so much compassion for those and and respect for those who say we're going to do something yeah. about that. We've tried it on our own for a while. Sometimes a person can try it on their. You know, can can work through it on their own. We're not saying that everybody's addicted, and no. and and obviously, the less time that they've been looking at it, the better. But if they've tried over and over again, your heart just has to go out mm-hmm. to them because it's like these these are good people, yeah. and, and and we want to be able to help them. It's not. It seems like a lot of people would just chalk it up. To, well, they're just evil. <laughs> yeah. They're just dirty, gross people. Yeah. 
Because good people don't do this. It, it's really interesting. The first time they come to the, the, the therapy experience, yeah. they, they, you know, they kind of step in the door. They look around. And <laughs> do I know I, anybody I guess here? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. one of the big things. Do I know anybody? And, and maybe an expectation. Are they going to be in trench coats or what's right, going to yeah. be going on here? All these sickos. And, yeah. And, yeah. And these are good people. Yeah. And, I mean, they could be sitting next to us at a church or they could mm-hmm. be uh, our be next door community. neighbors. That's uh, right. It, it, it is a tragedy, tragedy of how secret. Secret it is, oh, and yeah. what a problem it is. What do we do? Okay, so let's say that we're we're um, we're noticing we we're starting to have an addictive behavior like this. We're starting to participate in it more. We're actually searching it out. I guess one of the signs too is you're starting to do a little riskier. Sir, I mean you're you're putting it out on the line more. I guess. Um, what do we do? What and what do you do? What do you recommend these couples do to start to heal this? Well, there's there's there are several things. Um, one is I, I think the first thing is to to not be in denial about it. Um, you know, the denial would say, "Oh, it's not a big problem. Uh, boys will be boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's okay. It's only yeah. affecting me." Right. Uh, you got to get out of denial. Um, there's there's a few things that a person could do. Uh, w- the first thing is to come out of come out of uh, out of hiding. Yeah. Come out of the secrecy of it. Surfaces somehow. Uh, yeah. Um, a second thing a person has to watch is what they tell themselves, the, the self-talk. Because if they start tearing themselves down, that just creates more shame. The yeah. shame creates more of yeah. a desire because that limbic system says, I've got to fix that. Yeah, you're being threatened. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, a third thing is to start substituting healthy activities. It's, it's not enough to just say, stop it. But it's it's yeah. replacing that with some other activity that will probably not be as powerful, but it will still release many of those chemicals mm-hmm. to to help a person feel satisfied. So it's kind of it's a I guess you you just need another pattern. You need to do this long enough to get your brain some other pattern, some other form that can help them. What is it about like uh, you always hear people just remove the temptation, you know, yeah. put the computer where everyone can see you. Don't stay up as late. Go to bed together. I mean, is that stuff is, – is that – I guess those are just helpful additional things to do? Those help. Yeah. You bet. Uh, any, and I think you know, filters on computers are a must nowadays. If, yeah. if somebody has a computer without, uh, without a filter on, they're just asking for trouble. Yeah. And, uh, of course, now we have a lot more electronic devices, cell phones, you know, hook into the, into the Internet. In fact, it's interesting, Matt, that, that any device that can hook onto the Internet, in, including PlayStation and, yeah. and Nintendo and those kinds of things, right. uh, are vulnerable to bringing pornography Your right TVs, into the home. Your TVs, everything do, can do it now. See, before it was a magazine. Right. You had to somehow get somewhere and – uh, nowadays, it's as simple as just your cell phone. So parents need to be aware too, right? Uh, exactly. That's that's one of the big things. There's there's three A's that that go into pornography that make it so uh, so rampant. Uh, one is available. Mm-hmm. It's it's available everywhere. Uh, number two, it's affordable. Yeah, you know they can get that right in their own home and free. I mean, free it's, to start, you don't even yep. have to pay. I, I mean, I know people are, but you don't. Yeah, and I mean, then there's enough of it out. And there. then the third A is anonymous. Mm. You know, this is is this is the secret coming out. Nobody knows, and so they can do whatever they want. Yeah, you know, I've actually had clients, and this is so scary. But I've had clients that um, they they hadn't done it with pornography, but they had actually called off of one of those sites a number to meet someone locally that 
number, they set up a date to meet. They actually met supposedly and then extorted money out of the person that I'm going to call your your wife. Is your wife's name this? Is her name Stacy whatever Jones? Da, 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 da. And had all this information about his family and said, unless you give me $5,000, I'm calling her. I have pictures of us here. I have – and they extort. Wow. And um, Pretty amazing. And I'm sitting there thinking – and that's – okay. again, worst case scenario, Ted Bundy-ish kind of moment. But um, it's just a dirty side of who you don't want to be. If you're trying to hide it, it's mm-hmm. telling you something. It's, it's telling you we got to deal with it. We got to get some help. Right. I, I, I think that would definitely be a sign, like you were mentioning earlier, of, of getting help. Mm-hmm. Um, if a person can't do it on their own, then they need to reach out. Um, open up that circle of, of people that they can trust to talk to. I guess that's parents. That's uh, clergy. That's your spouse. Exactly. Anybody that, that – and the thought is I can't, I, I can't tell anybody because then they won't like me. They'll mm-hmm. reject me. But one of the things we, we, that's important in the recovery is to rewire their brain, so to speak. Yeah, we, yeah. we won't do a lobotomy or, right, yeah. or We're not surgery gonna be or anything. Yeah. But, uh, but it, it really becomes important to rewire that brain. And to, to get them to, to think almost the opposite of what they would normally think. Get rid of some of those false core beliefs mm-hmm. like I'm a bad person. Yeah. They're not a bad person. Or I can't open up and tell people or they wouldn't, they wouldn't like me. Yeah. They, what we find is when they do open up, yeah, with a spouse, they're understandably hurt. Mm-hmm. They, they often get angry. But at the same time, uh, then, then the help can happen. Um, they can get into some group therapy. Uh, we have have uh, you mentioned Lifestar? Yeah, uh, that's helpful. Um, it, it, if a person wants to just go to a regular twelve step program, yeah, those are very helpful. Absolutely. Um, uh, with the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, they have a program called the Addiction Reco- Recovery Program based on the twelve step program. Yeah. But for where that isn't the SA, the Sexaholics Anonymous, powerful program powerful. that help them. Well, and it's. It's something. To me, it just seems like uh, overtly, actively acting on something is a great sign. It's a great step. You're doing something and then I guess you just need to kind of do more and a little bit better and a little bit tighter, tighten it down and kind of hone in on, on what your fix needs to be. Right. Get therapy. Find a good counselor I guess could be also helpful. Th- therapist is, is very helpful. And they that. all don't do addiction, right? So find a good – Addiction counselor. Exactly. You'd probably want to find out if they've had experience doing that uh, uh, because it's not just stopping it. It's not a behavioral thing mm-hmm. of just stopping it. It's saying, well, let's go down underneath. Let's find those underlying things that are underneath it and let's, um, let, let's make sure that the, the healing, mm-hmm. that, that, that trauma addiction, the, the trauma pain, the, the holes, that those are actually healed. And, and that takes a longer time. Uh, to, you know, to help a person to be able to do that. What do we? What would suggestions do you have for the wife, the the wife of the user of pornography? How does she recover, or how do they recover? What's what does their path look like? Well, and how it, much do you tolerate? I mean, am I just supposed to let him do this, or do I start kicking him out? Yeah, yeah. We um, in in uh, I, I think it's important if you looked at a uh, a figure of a triangle. We talk about a drama a drama triangle, uh-huh. and um, all three of the parts of those drama triangles are are 
are problematic. Uh, one would be the persecutor. Yeah. And becoming the persecutor, again, like you said earlier, was it, that's just going to create more shame. That doesn't help. Right. Uh, being the victim and saying, poor me, I guess I deserve it, there's something wrong with me, that never helps. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things we want to do is to help the wife to say, no, this isn't about you. And the third corner of the triangle is rescuing, where, like you said, yeah. they might say, "Well, let me let me fix it for yeah. you. Let me well, let me take just, care okay, of it. He won't do it again, and just kind of brush it under the rug. Is that yeah, that? That's it. That's it. And so, um, the wife also has, uh, you know, she does. This isn't something she can come to her neighbors and say, right. "Hey, anybody else have a sex addiction husband? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to freak. talk to you." <laughs> yeah, right. And so she she really has to get in there and two things. One is is find 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 some others that she can open up to so she's not isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two that I think is really important is that she can understand this addiction. It's not her fault and and be able to understand more about what she can do yeah. that's helpful to get out of that drama triangle. Oh, yeah, and not demonize too. I mean I guess we could awfulize them and make them a dirty, gross person. Yeah. Or we can – and I guess that's just part of you know turning him into a persecutor. <laughs> right, anyway, I just right. need him to be as bad as he can possibly be. But most of the time, like you were saying earlier, these are just humans, right? Just These are just good people that right. this is where they found themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, just powerful people and changing some of those false core beliefs about themselves and what they can do becomes, becomes so important. Uh, it, it shows that – Studies show that group therapy is probably the most effective, uh, effective way because they have that, uh, uh, that accountability mm-hmm. to the group. Yeah. They, they have that group support and, and the group responsibility. And like in the 12-step program, the 12th step is once you get to, to, to doing well and controlling this, now reach out to other people. Re- reach out and, 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 and be willing to, to be open and to help them with their problems. That's just – it really is um – it's a it's a big deal, and the idea. I mean, it must be nice to see that your job is freeing people from this. I mean, and this can happen from people being abused as a child. I mean, there's so many ways people get here. There, there really is. That um, you just hate and, to judge and, it, and it is rewarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that. Yeah, you, totally. you feel that too, yeah. and and um, that's that's exactly why I keep doing it. Is that that feeling that there's there's individuals, there's marriages, there's families that really are being helped by this to be able to return to who they are, and then then the husband and then that wife gets that husband back and yeah. and more because now they've been able to overcome a challenge in their life, and it just draws them together. Oh, it's so powerful, and really, I've seen it stronger, stronger families mm-hmm. if you can just kind of get through this. And so, as we kind of wrap it up, what? Ken, what would you say, you know, what's the one thing? That, I, I always call it the one thing that's really the big thing. What's the one thing you've learned in all of these years of this that really matters most to somebody being successful at this, overcoming this? Addiction? Well, first thing would be to don't get started, Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. If, if that would ever be possible. But in, in terms of uh, if, if they are involved in that and it becomes such a difficult thing to stop would be to say, don't be afraid to open up and to, to find that help that's out there for them. And to get some help and be willing to talk to people, be willing to talk. What would you say to the spouse? What's, what would be the one thing for them? I, I would want to help them to feel hope. 
uh, that you know to to feel like that this doesn't have to be something that so many times the first thought they have as you know is yeah. to say well I'll just get a divorce yeah I'm I'll, I'll, I'll I'm go not find this. I'll, I'll go find somebody yeah. that's that's normal yeah. I told know? my husband if he ever did this I'd be gone <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 instead of that and instead of doing that is just to say this is one of those challenges in fact I think any good marriage has to have some challenges to overcome mm-hmm. there has to be this but, opposition yeah. in life I agree that and and by overcoming it it's actually going to pull them together and yeah. be stronger than ever and and you can and you've seen coming out the other side you've seen that you can come through a pornography addiction and you can be better absolutely and and stronger and together i i think that's a great summary that it can definitely happen and there's great reward for being able to do that powerful stuff so dr ken schwab um they can find you i guess at lifestarnetwork.org Yes, in fact, any of the different lifestyle will be on a map, and they can just point and click and go to whichever state find whichever in. one their state, and then local area uh, if it's there. And uh, if if we can help, we'd be happy to. Oh, I know you'd be great. And uh, really, I appreciate you because this is it's a sensitive subject, but honestly, so needed, isn't it? It is. It is. Good stuff. Dr. Ken Schwab, appreciate you being with us, and go take care of your wife. All right. 34 years, four kids. Uh, appreciate that so much. Um, we'll be back. We're going to wrap this up. We'll have a bunch of ideas for you, some other tools, places you can go to get some help if you are struggling with this addiction of pornography. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The Gravity Probe B mission took on one of science's most intriguing challenges, to confirm a space-time vortex around our planet. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Einstein's theory of general relativity predicted that our Earth twists space and time around it when it rotates, creating a mild vortex in the fabric of space-time around our planet. Most physicists believe the space-time vortex is real, but Gravity Probe B was the first experiment that was sensitive enough to detect and measure it with such certainty. The concept of the Stanford University-led experiment was simple, but the precision technology needed to carry it out simply didn't exist when the mission was proposed to NASA in the early 1960s. Decades of development for the mission led to more than a dozen breakthrough technologies in cryogenics, satellite design, precision GPS, and a host of manufacturing and measuring techniques. After more than 30 years of research and development, 10 years of flight preparation, a year and a half of spaceflight, and five years of data analysis, researchers recently announced their final experimental results. Confirming Einstein's theories, the spacecraft's ultra-precise gyroscopes experienced extremely small but quantifiable changes in the direction of their spin while Earth's gravity pulled at them. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. After all the campaigns and debates, Election Day has arrived. Tuesday, November 6th, BYU Radio will bring you experts from both sides weighing in on the hotly contested races around the nation, highlighted by the photo finish between President Obama and BYU alumnus Mitt Romney. Join us for a unique look at the elections November 6th, 8 Eastern, here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping up our topic today of pornography, how to, you know, how to take your life back, how to make sure that you don't fall into the the abyss with this addiction. It is so, oh, it's just so difficult. It's so, it's so self-defeating. It beats you down so much, not to mention the fact that you really, um, your marriage, your relationships, your self-esteem, your sense of worth, it all seems to struggle along with it. So we're going to now go to one of our uh, producers, actually our intern, that we always say, we just call the intern. But our intern, Tyler Mail, has put together a tool for us. Basically, you know, we know pornography is the problem. It seems to be reaching, reaching younger and younger audiences. The question we're all asking ourselves is, what can we do as parents to help our kids stay out of this mess? We all worry about internet pornography and the effect it can have on our lives and others, particularly those of the kids in our homes. So how can we prevent this dangerous addiction from entering into the house? Here's my top 10 list of things you can do to help your kids avoid internet pornography. Number 10, make sure the computer is in a high traffic area of the house. The screen should be easy to see for someone who is walking into the room. Number 9, take the power cable to bed with you. If there's no power, it makes it impossible for someone to get up in the middle of the night when mom and dad are sleeping and get into something they shouldn't. Number 8. Get some software that filters out bad websites. It's easy and free, and you can adjust the settings to block out certain sites, particular word searches, or pop-ups. Number 7. Have access to your children's social network. Whether that means knowing their username and password on Facebook or just being followers on Twitter, make sure you know what pictures they're posting and the friends they have. Number 6. Have a special account on the home computer for the kids collectively. By not putting on a password, it allows you, all the siblings, and anyone else to check out the account and see what kind of activity is going on. Number five, remove all forms of pornography. Movies, games, music, magazines, whatever. Even a little will be enough to spark a little interest. Number four, talk with your kids about the dangers of pornography. You don't want to show them any yourself, of course, but you also don't want to leave them in the dark and have them find out about it through their friends. Number three, get your kids involved in other activities. Sign Jimmy up for Little League and Lacey for 4-H, and suddenly they'll be way too busy to even think about aimlessly surfing the web. Number two, be an example yourself. The old rule of monkey see, monkey do applies here. And finally, coming in to number one on my top ten ways to safeguard your home against internet pornography... Spend good quality time with your kids. This will establish a trusting relationship that will be rewarding in more than just internet safety. Excellent work by Tyler Mail, our our intern. We've called him Dave. We've called him Billy. We've called him everything. And now we're calling him by his name. So as we wrap up the show, let me just kind of as your your coach here, uh, take put on my coaching hat a little bit. Now, as as I get to deal with couples in my practice, uh, helping them learn to talk, helping them to learn to relate. Um, there's Trust is a big deal. We have to start uh, focusing on that, making sure that that's, that's a priority. And this, the porn addiction, along with any addiction, is going to rock trust. So some tools or some ways that just advice I guess I'd give to have you make sure that you're, you're trying to keep your relationship as healthy as you can is, number one, take 100% responsibility for your addiction. It's yours, uh, and by the way, don't take uh, don't take responsibility for someone else's addiction. That uh, is just going to probably push you a little bit further down the road to being an enabler or to being somebody that's going to, um, 
you know, to to enable this addiction to continue. Don't be a martyr. Don't act like, you know, this was a surprise to you. Another idea is begin with the end in mind. One of the greatest motivators I've seen in relationships is to think about what you want people to say about you. Uh, how do you want to be remembered by your kids? How do you want to be remembered by your spouse? And try to keep that clear in your head. What does matter to you? That might be an, a, kind of a motivator for you as you're going through trying to break this or any habit. Uh, another tool for you is just remember the rule that you can't talk your way out of something that you behaved your way into. You really can't just expect to be able to talk your way out of untrustworthy behavior. You have to behave your way back. And as our good Dr. Ken Schwab was talking about, a lot of that is just you going to, to the programs you could go to and starting to slowly change your behaviors so that people can um, trust you again. Another tool might be to reprioritize your marriage and family, whether it was infidelity, whether you've just been too busy at work. Uh, maybe you're just you know trying to stay ahead with this economy. We got to learn to put our families first if, in the end, we want our families to be first. Another tool I couldn't um, stress more is to get some outside help. As you heard from Dr. Schwab, really people can help. And there are people out there that do nothing but this every day, and they know how to get you the skills or the tools you need. They know how to help you uh, take on this incredibly difficult thing at times. Increase your transparency is another rule that I I teach a lot when I'm working with my people. Make sure that uh, you try to keep transparency out there. Keep your computers out where people can see them. Keep your cell phones out. Get some education. Get some information. And just to wrap it up, I'd say be present. Uh, It seems like a lot of us, with all this technology, are doing everything in our lives but being more present. The great payoff in life, I found, is when I'm actually living in it and when I'm present in it and when I'm I'm actually focused. So I'm going to challenge you. Take care of yourself. Just know there's people out there that care. There's people out there watching after you. Watch after your neighbors. And if you get a feeling or a prompting that somebody needs help, will you reach your hand out and lift them up? Again, you listen to the Matt Townsend Show. We're here every Monday through Friday helping you and your loved ones grow healthier relationships. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This Saturday, tune in as BYU Radio brings you a full day of Cougar sports. Listen in as the nationally ranked BYU women's volleyball team host Loyola Marymount, beginning at 3 p.m. Eastern. Then, don't miss the final exhibition match of the season as Dave Rose and the BYU basketball team prepare for another season of West Coast Conference basketball. BYU versus Finley, pregame at 8 p.m. Eastern time with tip at 9. It's all this Saturday, here on the home of Cougar Sports, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio.